Coming up, a status report on the new look KCI. One year from now, it'll officially open, but will it be ready on time and on budget? We push aside our regular reporter roundtable to bring you the project's lead developer and the airport manager. Plus, while Chiefs Fever is one of the biggest storylines of the week, another virus called COVID continuing to sweep through the metro. As more school districts shut down, we lift up the hood on what's happening with two area school leaders. Those stories and the rest of the week's news straight ahead. Week in Review is made possible through the generous support of AARP Kansas City, Dave and Jamie Cummings, Bob and Marlise Gorley, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize and Bank of America N.A. co-trustees, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Hello, I'm Nick Haynes. Yes, COVID and the Chiefs continue to dominate news coverage, but there are some other pretty important stories that have fallen off the radar because of it. A year from now, we in Kansas City will be preparing to open a new look KCI airport. It's been five years since voters approved what is the largest infrastructure project in Kansas City history. A lot has happened since then, including a global pandemic. Will it be ready to go and will it be different than the project promised to voters? Jeff Stricker is with us. He's in charge of the development team. He's senior project manager for Edgemore. Also with us, the manager of the airport, Kansas City Aviation Director Pat Klein. We're so grateful to have you both with us. I remember in the end of 2020, a magic date was offered up, Pat Klein, and that was March 3rd, 2023. That would be the opening of the airport. But as I mentioned, a lot has happened since then. Uh, will we still be opening on that day or will you be asking for forgiveness to delay? Right now, we will not be asking for forgiveness. We are planning on opening in March of 2023 and knock on wood with everything through a pandemic. We are on time and we are on budget. On budget. You know, it started as a $1 billion project. And the last I looked, it was at $1.9 billion with financing. Is it going to top $2 billion? No, it's, uh, we, we borrowed $1.5 billion and that's the budget we've stuck to. And that's the, billion, the budget we'll bring it in on, on budget with. Okay, when you started this five years ago, we could never have predicted, Jeff, we would be going through this thing called COVID that has really upended everything, including the airline industry and what any, anyone does in their lives. How has that changed the nature of what's happening at the airport? And even when you think about suppliers and, and the labor shortages that we've had, how has that affected you? Thanks to good planning on our team in COVID, which, as you point out, Nick, is something nobody could have predicted back when we signed the contract and started construction. But we've been very fortunate in working with our trade partners and the team to make sure that um, we've not had supply chain issues. Material has shown up on the job site when we've needed it. Uh, from a labor perspective, we have about 750 men and women showing up every single day, building the job. We've put in place um, lots of policies to keep people safe. Safety is our number one priority. Um, so we have, um, whether it's face coverings, whether that's increased hand washing stations, we are making sure that the job will be delivered, as Pat said, on time and on time. You know, if we went to our local Home Depot store, we'll say, God, the price of lumber is a lot more expensive. Nails are more expensive than they once were. If you're trying to remodel your kitchen, good luck trying to find the contractor who can do it. You, you haven't experienced those problems? No, we were fortunate to purchase the, the contractors that we needed, the materials, uh, back in a time before some of the supply chain issues that you're describing it. Uh, in Home Depot and other places. And so, no, we've, we've had no problems. How about the airport itself? What we'll actually be able to see when this opens in 2023, a year from now, uh, have you made adjustments given the fact that we might not have been considering some of these health issues in the, uh, like we'd had in the past? 
The number one thing in airport designs today and thinking about the future is flexibility. And so the design of the airport, even before COVID, was very flexible. Some of the things that we have added to the design um, that um, passengers will see are things as simple as touchless, um, you know, faucets and soap dispensers. We have um, the ability to put in plexiglass screens at the ticket counters if people want. We will have the most advanced filters um, in the mechanical systems of the HVAC systems to filter out any types of diseases and particles or the vast majority. And so it should be a very flexible and safe experience for passengers when the airport opens. When voters approved the, this new KCI terminal, Pat Klein, back in 2017, I remember even Emmanuel Cleaver saying, God, we have the opportunity here to make this the most environmentally friendly airport in the country. Is that still the goal, or have all of these other issues of supply chain and challenges of money made that dream too big? No, not only have we been pushing the environmental, we've been pushing the accessibility. The council passed the resolution that wanted us to look at accessibility options either. So we've done things like the, the building is going to be Lee Gold. Um, we've got a solar uh, array being put on the south side of the parking garage um, that will bring solar into the, uh, to the project. Um, we've got the airlines to agree to move their ground service equipment to all electric. We put in all electric boilers. Um, on the airport side, you, you know, there's been announcements. Uh, we're in a feasibility study for looking at a much bigger solar project on our property that, you know, we've got a lot of hoops to run through. So I remember seeing the headlines about what could be the largest solar farm actually in the country next to KCI. But there was also those concerns about this could not happen. It's going to cause too much gleam for pilots trying to land their planes. The, the shine coming from those would make it too difficult. You've overcome those obstacles? Well, we've got studies to go through um, there, but there are a lot of airports that have uh, solar arrays are up already that are very near runways. So it's uh, technology that we think we can overcome. We just got to do the cost benefit and the feasibility to make sure that all those studies are taken into account. Let's take a quick pause right now from the conversation for a moment to take a trip down memory lane. Five years ago, as I've mentioned, voters went to the polls to approve this new revamp of KCI. But did you know this year marks the 50th anniversary of the opening of the existing KCI? In 1972, Kansas City International Airport will become the new hub of air transportation for this area. We're already a cosmopolitan town, and I'm going to do everything I can to get all the international airlines I can flying into Kansas City International. At KCI, the outgoing passenger will be able to drive directly to his gate. In most cases, he will have walked less than 300 feet from his car to his aircraft. You know, Jeff, I remember when the whole campaigns were going on in 2017, one of the big objections that many people in the public had, why would you destroy an airport that is so incredibly convenient? You can just go a few steps, as that uh, video piece showed, uh, from your car right to the gate. Have you managed that in this new design, or are we expected to lose one pant size going from our car to the gate? Now, we heard and we did a lot of early work in the community to understand what was important and what the community liked about the existing airport. So we have a parking garage right across from the front door of the terminal so people can park their car, walk right across the roadway and get straight into the head house where you would check in and go through security. Um, we've added things like moving walkways in certain places to get you through the concourse to get you to your gate. So it'll be a very convenient airport that all the passengers will enjoy uh, spending their time in. Some people are still worried about the business case for this airport, 
Pat, when you consider since this pandemic, a lot of business travelers that are the most lucrative customers for the airlines are not traveling right now. And actually, I remember one of the biggest proponents of having a single terminal was the Cerner company. They may not even exist by the time the new airport opens uh, next year. Uh, does that make the financing of this much more difficult? Does that mean if you have fewer business travels that fees are going to have to go up? Our coffee is going to cost more. Our flights are going to cost more. No, the business case remains the same. We're back to about 8 million passengers uh, probably in 2021. We expect 2022 to be uh, much, much better than that. We had 12 million in 2019. So we're right on, we're right on track with that. Uh, we actually believe, you know, the, the, the street pricing for the concessions will be the same, um, but our concessions will go up simply because now our customers will have choices. And they will have choices with Kansas City local companies. So as you walk through, instead of just having two choices to grab and go or, or to get some food, you've got all the choices in front of you of the entire concession area. And we believe with those choices will come uh, increased, uh, increased revenue to, to, the, to the department, which will uh, help, help fund the, the business case. But would it make it harder for airlines to want to come in here to provide direct flights, which was another component of what we wanted to do with this new airport? It would make us more attractive if we don't have all of these business travelers coming through Kansas City. It shouldn't. It should not. I mean, we've got uh, you know everybody who we've got five signatory airlines that signed on to the deal ahead of time. Uh, we still have Frontier and Allegiant and and some of our uh, low cost travelers traveling through. And we're always out looking for uh, new 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 business uh, carriers and international carriers as the as they said in 1972 from that video earlier. You know, there's a lot of other complicating factors, of course, beyond the pandemic. Missouri lawmakers are looking for a bill that would actually increase the amount of funding going to the police department. Mayor Lucas says that would lead to a defunding of firefighters and, more importantly here, defunding of KCI. The argument being, if there's less money for the, um, more money for the police, that means less people, uh, less money for you at the aviation department. Does that mean the food prices go up at the airport? Other fees go up to make that difference? No, and I think what the mayor was getting at is the, the point with the airport is every dollar generated at the airport has to stay at the airport. So we can't we can't uh, divert our revenue to go fund other, whether it's police or fire or public works, it's not allowed. So the FAA won't allow revenue diversion. So however that uh, legislation ends up at the state, it, 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 it won't affect us because um, our revenue has to be used for aviation purposes. How close are you in the design of this airport, uh, um, Jeff, in terms of the things that we saw at the very beginning, including that fountain? Did the fountain go away, this two-story fountain? Um, so we do have a fountain as you come right through the uh, check-in once you've gone through security. That is part of the public art um, program that we put in place so that as travelers come through, there will be a fountain um, visible right away. I think as I mentioned, Nick, we did a lot of work early on to hear what the community wanted. Some of it, Pat, just touched on the, the local food options that's coming through the concession program. The feel of the airport, the fountain. So, yes, passengers will still see that. You know, we are going to have more shops and restaurants, though no Chick-fil-A. We know that from the headlines. But, yes, we'll have more choices. We know there'll be gender-neutral bathrooms. Uh, you've talked about some of the environmental features. What else can we expect that we may see in other airports that we've just never seen at KCI before when we come there in March, on March 3rd, 2023. You know, we've got a lot of amenities that we don't currently provide. We'll have an inclusive play area um, that we've partnered with Variety KC. We'll have a meditation room for folks who want a quiet area um, as they prepare for their flight, whether it's, you know, for yoga or for, for some meditation. Um, we've got a sensory room for those on, on the audit spectrum. 
uh, or uh, dementia folks. We've got an airline simulation room. So folks who are maybe may a little afraid to fly can through a room, go through a mock where they do their boarding pass. They walk down a boarding bridge. They, they, they come into a room where it looks like an airplane and they sit down and they hear what, what the uh, flight attendants will say. So there, there are a lot of opportunities that we don't currently have in our terminals that uh, flyers will see in this new terminal and they'll love it. In, in addition to the, you know, the medallions that we saved on uh, from terminal A that will be in, in the terrazzo floors There'll be 39 of those. So there'll be a lot of uh, hidden eggs like that and items that folks really will enjoy that they, that they can't enjoy in our current facility. Well, Jeff and Pat, thank you so much for being with us. Is the next time I'm going to see you uh, when you're giving out uh, airplane-shaped cookies on March 3rd, 2023 with Rihanna, Drake, Adele, and Doug Garth Brooks in the background with us? Can't promise that those particular musicians you just rattled off, Nick, will be there, but it's going to be a great celebration for a project that all of us will be proud of for generations. Edgemore's Jeff Stricker and KC Aviation Director Pat Klein, thank you for joining us. Up next, lifting the hood on the pain now going on in our area school districts as they struggle to stay open. But first, here's some of the other local stories grabbing the headlines this week. Chief's fever takes over Kansas City as the entire metro turns bright red. Is anyone talking about anything else? It's the best game I've ever been to. Probably the best game anybody will ever go to. Did you know that 90% of every metro home watching TV Sunday night was tuned to the Chiefs? You might wonder, what were the other 10% watching? Well, thanks to you, it was us. Not sure if it was our Sunday rebroadcast of Week in Review or our new reboot of Around the World in 80 Days, but we were Kansas City's second highest watched channel Sunday night. Have you picked up your free face masks yet? They're here, the Biden administration allocating three upgraded N95s for every American. You can find them wherever you got your vaccine, from Walgreens to Walmart. It's a week that sees more drama over redistricting. Kansas lawmakers sending to the governor a new congressional map, moving Lawrence to western Kansas, and slicing Wyandotte County in half, squeezing the re-election chances of Sharice Davids. That's what I think the, the main motivation is, is to dilute the voice here. Transport Secretary Pete Buttigieg in KCK, part of a national tour to promote the president's infrastructure package. A new vision for downtown revealed, topping the to-do list, a new home for the royals, turning the Barney Alice Plaza into a green oasis, and putting a lid over I-670 that divides downtown. The mayor says all this stuff is cool, but the question is, how do you pay for it? Lucas was rolling the dice this week. He joins with boardmaker Hasbro to announce a new Kansas City edition of Monopoly. But no longer do you have to bet just on Baltic Avenue, but instead we'll have a chance, hopefully, to have our pieces on the Chiefs, the Royals, Zona Rosa, any number of places. By the way, you can vote and win prizes for sending in your ideas for what Kansas City streets and attractions should be added to that new Kansas City edition of Monopoly. Email your pecs at kansascity at toptrumps.com. That's kansascity at toptrumps.com. This week, top health leaders in Kansas City to continue to ring alarm bells. Hands down, they say, this week marks the toughest surge since they've had to face since the pandemic began. While hospitals struggle, so, of course, are our school districts. Park Hill, the latest to announce they're shutting down due to so many sick students and staff. Blue Valley and Shawnee Mission notifying parents they could be next. Joining us now are two school leaders who have already experienced that pain. Edwin Birch had to tell thousands of parents schools would be closing in Kansas City, Kansas 
Christmas last week. Dr. Brent Yeager knows how that feels. He's the superintendent of the Metro's largest school district, Olathe, which also shut its doors last week after 800 staffers were sidelined by COVID. Thank you so much for being with us. Both of your school districts, remarkably, are back open. What miracle happened, though, in the last few days, Dr. Yeager, that you went from being closed to opening again? Was there a miraculous recovery of teachers, or did you find a new uh, pipeline of substitutes to come in and teach? You know, I, uh, the miraculous miracle that happens probably not not really there. Um, you know, we have highly committed staff members in our district, and you know that along with uh, some of the changes from the CDC in terms of you know a shortened quarantine and in terms of having to be at home, um, staff members having the ability to come back after they've been quarantined at home for five days, and then being able to come back for an additional you know five days essentially with a mask, um, really helped us in terms of bringing our staff back and and being ready to be. At school and supporting kids that way. You know, we were told at the very beginning of this pandemic, Edwin, that uh, we would never have to close schools ever again, in fact, because we've got all this great Zoom technology. And even if we had a snow come down, we can now go virtual. And so we get sick people sick, we can go online. Why didn't you go online in the Kansas City, Kansas School District last week? Why did you shut down? As you know, uh, the state legislature has changed that, that there are laws in place that doesn't allow us to go virtual and there's certain regulations that we have to abide by but we're not able just to go remote like we were before you know we have a 40-hour limit for remote learning and to be honest we may end up using that at some point depending on what happens with snow days and, and things like that you know as as we move forward in the school year the challenge for us and why we weren't able to do it's really twofold the first one is you know, with 800 staff members out sick, we weren't able to support our learning whether we were in person or at home, um, you know, because those same staff members would be the ones providing education and support and, and, you know, things related to that. But we also have a good number of students in our district that don't have access to broadband internet, you know, and some of those things that, you know, there's some pieces that we have to have just a little bit of time to get in place and get to the right kids to make sure we can do that. So it really didn't make a difference whether we were in person or virtual, we just didn't have the staff to do it. The Kansas Board of Education, knowing the shortage of teachers, just dropped uh, the requirements to be a substitute teacher. No longer do you need a college education, Dr. Yeager. You can have a high school diploma and, and pass a criminal background check, and you could be in your school district tomorrow. Uh, did you get a huge pipeline of new teachers coming your way as a result of that, or have you not seen any difference? You know, we've seen a little bit of difference and, you know, there's a small number of people who are now applying um, who weren't able to before. We are still working through that a little bit in our school district. You know, I can tell you in our system, we believe 18 is too young to be a substitute teacher in our district. Um, we really appreciate the state board having the conversation and, and being willing to allow us to explore this a little bit. But, um, you know, in the next few days, I anticipate that we'll be sharing kind of our expectations with that. And likely that will be people who are 20 and, um, you know, have good background checks in terms of references and things like that. Um, it's, a, it's a delicate line to walk between just kind of allowing anybody, if you will, to come in and teach and be with our kids. Um, when we have a staff that's worked tirelessly to be able to, you know, hone the art and craft and the expertise that they portray each day. Did you get flooded like with new it. substitute applicants? So, yes, we did receive some applicants. Um, be nice if we had a large number, as you had indicated and asked in your question, but it hasn't been an overwhelmingly large number of applicants, but we have 
uh, had some applicants, uh, some applications to come in, and we hope to continue to try to use that to help provide some temporary relief. So I, I we are using yeah. that to promote, and uh, we're working closely with our HR department to uh, get that message out and try to get some more applicants here to assist us. I was, I, I was nosing around the Olathe Schools website. Yes, I did, Dr. Yeager, and I see you are paying 133 dollars a day as a sub now if you're teaching at the high school that's seven hours worth of work you have to get up early in the morning have to deal with all of those kids perhaps get you know put your own health at risk around being exposed to a lot of people is it really about the money or are there more challenges to be able to get substitutes to come into the classroom right now yeah, that's a great question. You know, we've increased our, our sub wages a little bit over the last number of years, but we've seen as, as we've done that, that it really hasn't changed our sub um, pool, if you will. Um, what we have noticed is the subs that continue to work with us and stay with us in Olathe, it's really about them being um, part of our family, part of our organization. Um, you know, the schools that they feel connected with, those sorts of pieces are probably more important, um, you know, than, than looking at the pay. You know, we were also invited, by the way, Mark Bedell, the superintendent of the Kansas City, Missouri School District, to be with us. I know that he couldn't be here, but I know early in the pandemic, uh, they were having so many issues, including all of the other problems, never mind what was happening with COVID itself, but we, they couldn't even get bus drivers, Dr. Yeager. He was actually driving one of the school buses buses. Uh, it got that bad. Are you driving the school bus? Are you doling out mashed potatoes in the cafeteria because you are so short-staffed? Well, I will say um, good news for the Olathe community. I've not driven a school bus yet. Um, that probably would not be good for our uh, public works department. Edwin, have you, have you had to take out your suit off your suit jacket and start serving up chicken nuggets in the cafeteria? No, I'm like Dr. Yeager. Uh, I don't think you want me driving a school bus. Now, I'm willing to maybe wash them down, maybe, uh, that thing. But you do not want me behind the wheel of a school bus. But I will say, if I mean it, this is a great opportunity for both of us to put that pitch out there. Anyone looking for a job at either one of our school districts, uh, subbing, being a substitute teacher, or driving a bus, we have an opening for you. When we think about school districts today, we hear about this tension over mask wearing. Now about race teaching in schools is a, a big deal. What, in your judgment, is the biggest challenge that keeps you up at night, Dr. Yeager? There, there are so many things that could keep me awake at night right now, but the, the, the main thing is our staff. You know, we have to have the very best in front of our kids each and every day. They deserve that. And, you know, there's so many external things putting pressure on our staff right now that are largely out of our control um, that is, is really damaging our ability to retain and also keep and, and recruit the highest quality staff. Um, you know, we have educators across the system, and I don't think this is unique to Olathe, that went into education because they care about kids and they want to make a positive impact on our world. And um, for many of them, that's being questioned each day. Sometimes it's a, it's a parent, sometimes it's something on social media that, that you know, takes on a life of its own. The, the world feels angry. And um, unfortunately, sometimes our classrooms are a microcosm of that. Um, that's what keeps me awake at night. We have really good people who are considering leaving the field or not entering the field. And the squeeze, of course, is on superintendents, the person at the top, just like yourself. I saw the Kansas City Star editorial board out with a brand new editorial headline, some 200 Missouri Kansas superintendents may quit amid COVID turmoil, hostile parents. Have you got any news to share with us this half hour, Dr. Yeager? 
Uh, no. Uh, if, if I were going to share that, Nick, it's so great to be on with you. I would have a conversation with my board of education first, but I, I so appreciate you saying that, you know. But you do rub shoulders with other superintendents, of course. Do you get the pressure on them? Absolutely. And, and the, the pressure is real. We spend a whole lot of time that really has not much to do with education um, and taking care of our staff. A lot of it right now is just just catching the things as they come in from a lot of different directions. You know, the point of this is to try and lift up the hood and, and look inside school districts to see something we don't ordinarily see. Most of us haven't set, set foot inside a, of a school for a long time, Edwin. Is there a side of what's happening in the school districts that you don't think most people are seeing right now? You know, we're so focused sometimes we get wrapped up into the things that aren't happening our way, but the work that's going on and the interactions that are going on each and every day in the midst of this turmoil, the love and compassion and the smiles on the students' faces as they come in and see their classmates and see their teachers and the interactions that many of our students, Nick, missed for months and even to a year that they didn't have before. Being able to get back on that uh, basketball court or on the football field and interact and play sports. Those are the things that are happening in the midst of all of this. And really, we are finding some sort of normality in the midst of this mm -hmm. challenging times. And I think oftentimes, Nick, that is missed. Thank you for that. Um, on our Week in Review program last week, uh, Steve Kraske from KCUR told us that parents don't even think about booking a late May vacation with your family this year because chances are good you're still, your kids are still going to be in school. We're going to be extending the school year. Are you extending the school year, Dr. Yeager? At this point, no. Um, you know, we have in Kansas... Uh, um, statutory requirement to meet a certain number of hours in school. Um, in Olathe, like many school districts in the state of Kansas, we have about what I would call six days beyond what's required in terms of state statutes. So we have used two of the six days right now. Um, if for some reason we get a blizzard in the next few weeks and we have to take some snow days and that kind of thing, we still have the ability to take about four snow days right now with that without that having much of an impact on our calendar. Um, should we go higher than that? Typically in our district, we will look at extending the school day a little bit and those kinds of things um, versus going into the summer. And part of that is, you know, to your point, to also try to have a level of predictability for our families and our community, but also for some of the professional learning and things we have planned for our staff after the school year officially ends for kids. So I don't anticipate that we would uh, lengthen the school year at this point in time. From the Kansas City, Kansas School District, thank you, Edwin Birch, and the superintendent of Olathe Schools, Dr. Brent Yeager. And I'm Nick Haynes. Our reporters are back next week, by the way. Until then, from all of us here at Kansas City PBS, be well, keep calm, and carry on.